I want to talk to you today about forgetting. We're wrapping up a year known as 2020. Let me ask you today, is there things that you want to forget? Is there one thing or several things you want to forget about this year? Some of you may know this, but a prophet a long time ago, we call him a major prophet. He wrote this in Isaiah 43, forget the former things of old. Do not dwell on the past. How many of you this morning will say amen to that? Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. In light of the year that we've had, this is a great verse, isn't it? But how about this? Isaiah 43 says, do not, or it says to forget the former things. But look what it says three chapters later. It says to remember the former things. Is there a contradiction between Isaiah 43 and Isaiah 46? In the scripture, it's kind of a theme from a major prophet like Isaiah to the Messiah, to the apostle, to to an apostle, to a disciple. We see this apparent contradiction between forgetting and remembering. Isaiah, forget the former things of old, but yet remember the former things of old. Jesus himself taught us the value of forgetting what's behind us. In Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, when he talks about being an apprentice, a disciple, a student, a learner of him, he says that any man who puts his, when he's plowing a field, when he puts his hand on the plow and looks back, he's not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, we need to forget. But Jesus himself, Scripture tells us that on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and giving thanks. He told his disciples, this is my body, a broken for you. And he said, what? Do this in remembrance of me. Forget, but remember. He teaches us or tells us in Acts 20 that, that Jesus himself taught us that we should remember that it's more blessed to give than to receive. He would teach in John 14, 26 that he's leaving. He's leaving this world, but there's going to be a comforter, a guide. There's going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to come. He's going to teach you all things and remind you all things because you need to forget, but you need to remember. The Apostle Paul similarly said in Philippians 3 that we need to forget. In fact, he said part of his story is I'm forgetting the things that lie behind me. I'm pressing forward for the things ahead. He, would, he was the one actually quoted in Acts 20 and verse 25 about telling us to remember the words of Jesus and all that he taught. The Apostle Paul, forget, but yet remember. Peter, of anybody in the Bible that would want things to be forgotten, that would want things about his past to be left in the past, to be forgotten, to forget the former things of old, it would be Peter, if you know his story. But Peter tells us at the very end of his life in 2 Peter 1.15, he says, I'm making every effort so that you, when I'm gone, when, I, when I'm departed, that you will remember all these things, that you'll be reminded of them. You'll be able to recall all of them, that your memory would be good, that you would remember. So a prophet, the Messiah himself, an apostle and a disciple all talk to us about remembering and forgetting. I've taught this before, borrowing from one of, uh, one of the writers I'm so fond of who says that we, the trouble with humanity is that we tend to forget the things that we should remember and remember the things that we should forget. Well, how about you today as we wrap up a year? 2020 has been a year of loss for so many people. Perhaps you've lost freedom. I think we've all lost routine and rhythm, and we've lost control or at least the illusion of control. Maybe, uh, and my heart is with you today, maybe you've lost a loved one. The world this year uh, lost Kobe Bryant and Kelly Preston and Chadwick Bozeman and Sean Connery 
in the world of sports, we lost Gail Sayers and Lou Brock. In the world of music, we lost a couple of we lost a couple of Charlies, Charlie Daniels of Devil Went Down to Georgia and Mississippi's own Charlie Pride. And we lost a rocker guitarist, Eddie Van Halen. We lost Ruth Bader, Bader Ginsburg. We lost Regis Philbin. And uh, you Jeopardy fans, we lost Alex Trebek. I don't know if you're aware of this, but for the first time ever in U.S. history, over 3 million people have died this year. We've never had that extent of loss. It's been the deadliest, the deadliest year that we've ever, ever experienced, ever known. What have you lost? Maybe it's been freedom, control, some of the things we mentioned, your routine, your rhythms. There's been a loss for all of us. My hope is that you haven't lost hope. My hope is for you that you will learn to forget. You'll learn to move on. You'll learn to remember. You'll learn to press on. This morning, I think about some of the, the, the losses that I've experienced, some of the things that I'm going to want to forget about 2020 and things I'm going to want to remember. Normally, as a pastor of a, of a young church, we're, we're young in age as a collective congregation, and we're pretty decidedly young uh, in age. And mostly, I do weddings, a few funerals, but mostly weddings. And as I was looking back at calendars, schedules, and all personally, uh, the ratio of weddings to funerals that I've done in my tenure is about 10 to 1. For every 10 weddings, I would do a funeral. And this year, it's been about 5 to 1. I've still done a bunch of weddings, but I've done a number of funerals. In April, just after Easter, we buried a beautiful woman who lived to be 92 years old, Miss Pauline Darrington. You guys have heard me talk about her and her husband, her husband in particular, quite often. Mr. Earl's not doing good right now and not able to even watch us anymore, at least not right now. And I wondered after Earl lost his wife of, of almost 70 years, I wondered how long he would make it, how he would do without Miss Pauline. Mr. Earl is a, is a hero, a personal hero of mine. I think he's one of our country's heroes. Some of you have heard me talk about him. But when we did Miss Pauline's funeral, it gave us, Fondren Church, an opportunity to be with Mr. Earl in a COVID sort of way. Only a few of us were able to attend his wife's funeral, but our church, many of you did a drive-by with American flags as he was a patriot, as he, as he loved his country, as he served. Mr. Earl Darrington, you can uh, look up the name if you're unfamiliar with him, but he was a longtime member of Woodland Hills Baptist Church, and when his church died, before his wife died, they joined our church. We didn't even make Mr. Earl and Miss Pauline go through any protocols, any procedures to join the church. We just ushered them in and said, you're a part of us. I remember that Sunday right here, early in the year of 2020, when he came, his caretaker brought him to worship with us on the front row. I was a little nervous in preaching that day to have a man like Earl down front. What a great man. Mr. Earl was a prisoner of war. Back in the mid-40s, uh, in what Winston Churchill described as the greatest American battle of World War II, when the Germans were entering their final stand, Mr. Earl Darrington was captured as a prisoner of war. He said, God saved me. Mr. Earl, what a joy it's been uh, over these years, and particularly this year, as his frailty has really taken hold, to hear him talk about life and freedom, how much he loves God, how much he loves his country, to hear him also talk about pain and endurance 
and what really matters. And Miss Pauline served with Earl. This is kind of a, a sensitive story for Susan and I as we partner together in ministry to work hand in hand, really on a daily basis. And Miss Pauline was a nurse and she cared for so many and she cared for her husband when he got home as this prisoner of war. And they, they marched, they wrote letters, they championed, they walked and they worked and they lobbied and they worked with Senator Sonny Montgomery and presidents of the United States to make sure that America's prisoners of war were not forgotten. Another funeral that I was able to preside over just a couple of months after that in June of this year uh, was a man named Mr. Vaughn Dunaway. Mr. Vaughn Dunaway lived to 105 years old. He was just a couple of months shy of 105 years old. His wife, Mildred, who he'd been married to for almost 70 years as well, she passed away in the year 2000, 20 years ago. But Mr. Vaughn Dunaway, also himself, a longtime member of Woodland Hills Baptist Church, he carried a picture of his wife, Mildred, in his wallet for over 20 years. And when he died, he still had on his wedding ring and her picture. And what I remember is going to be one of my greatest memories of 2020 is when I presided over that funeral outdoors in Clinton on that June day. There were only a few people that they invited to that funeral. I guess when you live to be almost 105, a lot of your people have gone on before you. But because of the restrictions, a handful of people came. There was 12 to 15, as I recall. It was a few friends and a few family. But the friends that were there were people of color. And I don't have to remind you, do I, that in June it was the height of racial strife in our country. And what I remember that day is truly one of my great memories of 2020 is after I had spoken the words, I stood toward the back and I saw friends and family. And I saw people of color. And what I witnessed that day stays vividly in my mind and imagination and deep in my heart. Black people and white people were placing yellow roses on this brown casket. And there I stood that day and I thought, we're not as divided as a nation as the media portrays us that there's a lot more love and unity in this world if we'll get it, give it a chance, if we'll look and open our eyes and savor that. This morning, as we wrap up the year, I'm talking to you about forgetting, and I'm talking to you about remembering. There is a natural drift that can occur in our lives. This year, 2020, the very first sermon that was preached was one I preached here in early January of 2020, and it was from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, that says, Be Take careful attention that you don't drift. There is a drift in life. There is a tendency for us to forget. You know, remembering takes intentionality. It takes a concerted action and effort. It's, it's, it's to be purposeful. It's to put habits and practices into your life on a regular so that you can remember. It takes effort. Forgetting, there's sort of a gravitational pull. It's, in some ways, it's easy uh, to forget. But we're told... We're told in Hebrews not to drift. We're told to be careful unless we drift. You know, there's some things I will, do, I will say that I want to remember, not just about the lives of the Darringtons, Miss Pauline in particular, and the Dunaways, Mr. Vaughn. I remember their lives, and I remember what a passage says in Hebrews 13 that I want everybody to know, and you young people especially. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, it tells us to remember, not forget, but to remember your leaders. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I want to say that one more time. Remember your leaders, consider the outcome of their way of life, and then imitate their faith. That's what I think of when I think of 
the Dunaways and the Darringtons and others that have gone before us, people that have impacted my life. I want to remember them. And you know what? I want people to be able to say that about me. I want people to remember my leadership and the way that I loved and served. I want people to consider the outcome of my life and in some ways imitate my faith. Isn't, isn't that a goal? Isn't that something to strive for? So many memories in 2020. So many memories, in fact, of this place. I'm filming this. Uh, it's late at night, and we're capturing this actually even before the Christmas Eve service that we're having in here tomorrow at 3 and 4.30. If you're watching this or listening to this, you maybe you came or maybe you tuned in, but we're filming this one night late in the week. It's raining out, and I was here a good part of the day by myself and just walking and thinking. Behind me, you'll see, you'll see lights. You'll see lights that we've recently installed. Our team, Daniel Hicks and Zach Causey and Jeremy Burnham and Lauren Lucky and some folks have worked hard to install these lights. Uh, we've created light on the outside. If you live in the neighborhood, we've had compliments from the folks across the street, the people who live in Fondren that said, hey, we've noticed the building and we've lit it up at night. The police tell us that if you want to have a safe building, that lights and landscaping are important. We've added exterior lights as we've added lights in here. This is a special place. We've created the kids in the commons area in 2020. It hasn't been all bad. We've created space where we've let natural light come in and we've created this light. Nothing extravagant, but just lights we believe that will bring excellence and it'll bring glory to God. When God created the world, it says that his first element, the first element of creation, do you know, is light. Let there be light and we want to be a light in this community. Back a few weeks ago at a, at a small little outing, a political leader, a local woman, uh, came up and spoke to me. And she said, hey, Robert, thank you for Fondren Church. Thank you for being in the community. She's not of our faith, certainly not of our denomination, but she just had a compliment. And I don't know what she knows about Fondren Church. I think she's heard about some of you and how well you serve and love. And she was saying that we are a light in Jackson. As we close out the year, I want to remember you. I want to say thank you for letting us uh, be a light in this city. Not only are we creating the physical light inside our sanctuary, on the outside, uh, on the exterior of our building, I hope that is true of who we are. Take a look at a barren wall in our commons. It's a new commons that we've created, thanks to your generosity, but you'll see that uh, we've created this wall. We showed it off on our social media a couple of weeks ago, but it's a wall that we're proud of because it's a wall that shows the dedicated, deserving ministry partners we have locally and internationally. Some of those partners have reached out to us in the midst of the craziness of this year and said, thank you. You've continued to be generous to us. And in some ways, a couple of these partners, the giving of Fondra Church has allowed them to keep on existing. And that is a good thing. I want to remember God's faithfulness and that flows through his people, this beautiful fellowship called Fondra Church. Take a look at probably, it's in my top five pictures. I don't even know if you could recognize this. It's a, it's a tower. It's a gray ugly tower, and I want to talk bad about it because it was what I would see every day when I would look out of my second floor office window. This was a part of the draconian air condition system that we had here for decades and that Fondren Church had in our first five years here. We're going on our sixth year now, but for five years, we just, this air conditioning unit just held on, and this year, this summer, thanks to your generosity to a lot of people working hard together, we were able to replace it. Now look at this picture. You see our logo, and it's a thermostat. For the first time ever, first time ever we've been in this building, we're able to have control 
of the temperature. Now, we're not going to always set it right for all of you. You can't make everybody happy, right? You just got to make the senior pastor happy. But look at this. We actually have control. Now, control is an illusion, but at least we can't control. We can't control a lot of things going on in our world today. But for now, anyway, we can control the temperature in this building. When I look behind me, I think of, I think of dedications, baby dedications. I just stopped today to get gas at a local Chevron and someone said hello to me. I, I recognized them and they said, hey, Robert, we've been out of church with COVID and safety precautions. I said, man, we respect that. We hope to see you sometime in 2021. Engage with us online. They've been doing that a little bit. I encourage him to, to do that more. And he said, we can't look, we can't wait to get back. Um, we, we can't wait to get back and we're pregnant and we want to dedicate our baby. I think of the babies that have been dedicated. I think of leadership ordinations. I think of spiritual decisions that have been made right here. I think of connections. I think of a couple that just so dear to us, they serve faithfully in our church. It's a husband and wife and they've got two daughters. And I remember back in January of this year that we stood, we took a night and came here and like any marriage, they've had their struggles and they just wanted to move forward into their future, forgetting things they need to forget, remembering things they need to remember and rededicating themselves, renewing their vows. And this is a play, you know, people don't do that at a bowling alley or a bar. They love to do it in places like this. And we're their faith family. So what an honor it was to stand with them in this place and be with them as they renewed their vows. I couldn't help but look at those girls and think about what's at stake in their future. They were telling their girls, they were telling a few folks in their church, they were telling their pastor, hey, we want to honor God in our marriage and we need his grace. We need his grace and we need his strength. This place behind me, this place is a place of decisions, of dedications, of ordinations. It's a place of connections. There's a couple, one of 17, that have met and married here. There was one couple named Seth and Mary Catherine. They came and sat on one of these church pews and they noticed each other. They were with a few single people on their, on their church pew and they noticed each other. And each of them, I think, made a comment, as I understand the story, they made a comment to their, their respective friends sitting next to them. And lo and behold, that row went to lunch and lo and behold, they exchanged numbers and they got to know each other. They dated, they got engaged, they got married. And you'll see a picture of them just a couple of years back standing next to that beautiful stained glass. And this is Seth and Mary Catherine. I love them. They've moved away, doggone it, but I love them and love the fact that in this place, there's connections, dedications, ordinations, and their spiritual decisions. Just last week, someone came with a heavy weight on him. He'd been caught in trespasses, found out in sin. And he came here. He came here to pray. He came here to talk to a minister. He came here to say, would you come around me? I've been out of church, but I want to get back in and I need spiritual guidance and direction. I have the opportunity or I stand uh, to lose it all. There could be an opportunity to keep my family intact, but I could lose all of this. And this man wept here. He prayed here. It's a pray place of lamentation. It's a place of seeking guidance. And I'm so grateful for the memories that we have here in this place. That sermon at the very beginning of the year from Hebrews about not drifting, it really is contingent upon whether we forget or we remember. And I noticed there's this drift. If you look at Acts 2, 42 to 47, it says what the church could be when it's maximum, when it's operating optimally. 
And it describes the church in many ways. In one way, it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They gathered together and they were devoted. They didn't dabble in it. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. But in Hebrews 13, it says this. It says that they were caught away. They got caught up in strange teachings. Notice the drift. Are you devoted to the teachings or do you get caught up in strange teachings? Do you forget and move away from it? Also in Acts 2, it says that they were generous people. We call you to generosity time and time again. It says that they were generous, that no one had needs among them. They shared all that they had in common, Acts chapter 2. But in Hebrews 13, it talks about not letting the love of money, keeping our lives free from the love and control of money. There's a drift toward greed and toward fear of generosity. We drift from what it's like. It says in Acts 2 also that they continue to meet together. They were committed to meeting in the public assembly at the temple and breaking bread in their homes. But then in Hebrews 10, it says, do not forsake the gathering together. Gather so that you can spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Do you see that in Acts 2? It's the the people described as we want to be devoted and generous and gathering and committed to that gathering. But then the drift, we get caught up in strange teachings, we, we get caught up in having a love for money, or we just forget the people of God and the assembly that's so important to spur one another on to love and to good deeds. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 9, Moses had some words to say to the people of old. He said to them, be careful and watch out, watch closely, watch closely so that your eyes don't forget what you've seen and that your heart doesn't fade away. And so this morning, as I sort of bring this to a close, I want to ask you, have your eyes grown dim and has your heart faded from important things? What has 2020 taken from you? In the most deadly year that we've experienced in a nation, in in a time when we, at least in our lifetimes, almost all of us, no matter our age, we've experienced more disruption than ever before. What's been taken from you? What have you lost? What do you need to remember? What do you need to forget? On a real personal note, if you'll give me this, most all of you know, those of you who know and love and care for Susan and I, you know we've been grieving for a little over a month, and we lost lost Kiffin, our dog, not the football coach, but we lost our dog. And uh, it's been a time where pretty much every day we've had tears that we've shed. Here's a quick video. Some of you have seen this before. This is uh, Kiffin, my dog, our dog hanging out in my office. He slept in bed with us at the foot of the bed. He rode around in my truck. I can still feel him in the back. He would come up to the office a lot. Daniel Hicks put him on our website. I didn't do that, but he put him on our website as our office dog. He was up here an awful lot. If you'll look to the right, you'll see Kiffin on the second floor. And closely, if you look at the window, you'll see my dog looking at this squirrel. And the squirrel would come to the office and tease him. And just a couple of days ago, the squirrel came back and uh, he was looking for my dog. Someone came in my office and saw me crying because I had to tell a squirrel that my dog had died. Here's what I love. I'm going to remember that dog for a long, long time. Susan and I are going to remember how you've loved on us as we've shed tears about the loss of our dog. So many great memories attached to him that are also attached to the life of Fondren Church. We got this dog about the time that the church started. Love this dog. Love the memories. But above all that, I love the God who gives us good gifts. Barring from another writer that I'm fond of, He talks about how that God did not create animals in his image, but God did create animals in his imagination. He goes on to 
tell us what Scripture teaches us, that what history shows is that when God created Adam and Eve, he surrounded them with animals. When God delivered Noah from the flood, he surrounded him with animals. When baby Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he surrounded him with animals. And in depictions of heaven, we see animals. And God says in his word that he will restore all things. So I've been thinking a lot. I've been forgetting, and I've been remembering, and I've been hoping, and I've been thinking about how God good, how good God is, the gifts that He gives us. And even though we experience great loss, there is so much to long for and to look forward to. I want to close this time with some questions. Some questions that I want you to take just a couple of minutes to reflect on. If you have pen and paper, it would be even better, but just to reflect on these questions on a personal level, if you're with family or roommates or friends, uh, do this together and just reflect on these questions that I'm going to come back and read a final passage about forgetting and remembering. Let's close this year with this passage from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. In the company of the upright in the congregation, Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty in His work, and His righteousness endures forever. He has caused His wondrous works to be what? To be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear Him. He remembers His covenant forever. He has shown His people the power of His works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The work of His hands are faithful and just. All His precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Forgetting and remembering. Above all, remembering. May God bless you as you close out the year. And we hope to see you in 2021.